Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Loan Podcast, the Pro Osage NFL Podcast. I am your host, Adam Hess, and with me as always is Mike Hot Mulligan Regan. Mike Regan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I've been busy filling out petitions to not let the Giants play football anymore for their own health and safety. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We, just before we, we came live here, we were talking about Scorsese movies, and somehow we didn't consider the fact that once again... Joe Pesci was playing on the field for the the New York Giants this week. Tommy Tommy D, he got a touchdown this week, didn't he? Yeah, Tom, yeah. the D stands for down, for yeah. touchdown. <laughs> uh, yeah. You uh, any success on those petitions? Have we managed to shut down the New York Football Giants for the season yet? No, no one's gotten back to me yet. It's, it's very upset. I sent it. I sent them all to the inbox, uh, NFL Commissioner at Hotmail dot com. But I don't know if that's the right email address on second thought. I'm pretty sure he's on AOL. Try again. I'll hit him up on AIM. Maybe that's how I can go. Yeah, yeah the weird thing is, uh, his his AIM name is Fart Nugget. Never would have guessed it. Just looking at him, you know? No, it's Fart Nugget 69. <laughs> well, you know. I didn't want to dox him on the podcast. All right, for those of you who are new to the podcast, every Monday we go through the top headlines following the week of football. This week, week 10, pretty good football. Pretty good, some would say. So, as we get started here, Mike, I just want to point out that I am currently sipping. This was a $5 bottle of wine. Really? Would you get it from uh, Aldi? Yeah, I cannot imagine this would be any good. For five bucks, it's good. Yeah, five bucks, if it gets you drunk, then it's worth it. Yeah, I've had $5 Aldi wine. It wasn't bad. (laughs) Are we white trash? I mean, I do have a Waffle House sweatshirt, so I don't... So, let's talk... Let's talk some Week 10 football. First off, before we get started here, Mike, let me get your uh, concernometer going into Monday Night Football. Broncos-Bills, you are our resident Bills fan. Scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you? I was looking at it, and the Broncos' defense, just as far as the amount of points given up, have actually done very well the last few weeks. Like, I think the most is they gave up 24, whoever they played prior to the Chiefs. But then it was like 19, 17, and then 9 most recently in... Patrick Mahomes flu game. Still, my concernometer is low, but the low percentage on it is mainly, dear God, if this is a loss, I don't know how I will react, but it won't be pretty. Is this going to be like a college football thing? Like if it, if the game ends up being like 39 to 21, are you still going to be upset because the Broncos managed to hang 21 on you? No, with our defense, as long as we get out with the win, I'll be happy. It's obviously an overbet in that game, right? Uh, how, it's how bad low's, defenses. How low has it gotten to? I'm going to guess it's... I haven't looked. I'm going to guess it's 42 and a half. I'll pull it up. 47 and a half. I was off by five points. I mean, shit. Yeah, I could see that. Hitting the over. Bills win 37-20. I can't imagine the Bills scoring less than 30 against this Broncos defense. I know, yeah. like you said, they've been improving, but still. Let's let's not pretend that they're suddenly good. Well, with that, let's get into our Monday morning headlines. My first headline, Mike. Was this the Sunday of the year? It just might have been, Adam. There was so many good games. I mean, Colts-Patriots came down to the wire. <laughs> I, I actually had a note where I wanted to thank the NFL for putting the most boring game on at 8.30 <laughs> Central and then the second most boring game on 
during Sunday night football. Yeah. But no, in all seriousness, a lot of one score games and a handful of really exciting ones. Texans, Bengals, obviously, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot. Browns, Ravens, which I have a headline about that one. Uh, Chargers, Lions could come up later in the award conversation. Who knows? Who knows? Once I said it, did I not tell you last week? I was like, this Commander Seahawks game, I thought it was going to be like a little higher scoring, but I was like, this just has like weird four o'clock game written all over it where it's going to come <laughs> down to the very end. Like I just, I just knew it for some reason. So just want to point out in total, seven one possession games, four in the early slate, three in the afternoon slate. I guess technically it would be eight because of Raiders Jets. But if a game is good and no one is watching, did it really happen? That's true. We had yeah, yeah. five total walk-off field goals. What's up, buddy? PFF on their previews has like their opinion on like best bets based on value and whatever statistics they do. They say bet Denver plus seven and a half. They even have like value in Denver plus two eighty-six on the money line. Are you getting plus money at Denver plus seven and a half? Minus one ten, not bad. Yeah, that's just how much you get when you bet spreads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the Bills' defense has been really bad. We're in a rut. We're for sure in a rut. So, are you, who knows? is it a rut if all your players are hurt? Does that make it a rut? I think offensively, we're in a rut of starting slow. So. Still just want to point out, Josh Allen, currently number two on the season in EPA per play. No, he's been great. I just don't, they're, I'm not going to go back into it. I said my piece last week. So I'm I'll, sure we'll get into I'll, it at I'll some point. It at you're, you're, you just can't handle it, man. This, so this is happening to me with the Timberwolves right now, where the Timberwolves mm-hmm. have won six straight. And basketball, for those of you who don't know, is an 82-game season. And so each individual game doesn't matter that much. It's about 1.5% of the season. I have been getting so stressed out every single Timberwolves game. I'm not, I can't handle winning. I'm not used to it, man. As a Timberwolves Commanders fan, I'm not used to it. And every time that the game is close going into the fourth quarter, I am uncomfortable. There was a point last night where Finch pulled the starters and put the backups in when the Timberwolves were up just 10 points with about a minute left in the game. I was, I was losing my mind. And yeah. Golden State almost came back. They still lost, but they almost came back. Kyle Anderson missed two free throws. I can't handle my team winning. Like, I'm already nervous about the game tomorrow. They're playing uh, an away and away in Golden State. And the next one's an in-season tournament game. And I can't, I, I can't handle it, man. I might have to stop watching basketball for a little bit. So with the Bills, it's different. The Bills, I am highly critical. Like, even when we win... Uh, unless we beat like a really good team that I'm just happy on cloud nine in general, if we're playing a bad team and we only win by like one to like two possessions, I am critical. I'm like, what are you doing? You should be annihilating this team. No points is enough. And I, I can get a little critical, especially if it's like a garbage time score uh, with the Knicks when they're winning. I'm just like blissfully ignorant. I'm like, we're best, best, best basketball team in, in all of basketball. You can beat anybody. We're going to, we're going to the finals uh, with hockey. I, I can kind of flip back and forth. Do you think, I know we're getting pretty far off topic. Do you think that playoff run when the Bills had the perfect game against the Patriots where they had a touchdown in every possession until they kneeled and then they had the 13 second game against Mahomes? Do you think that ruined the Bills for you? 
it ruined Sean McDermott for me. How did it ruin Sean McDermott for for you? The fact that he kicked that ball deep, and then oh, yeah. they came out and played prevent when they just needed a field goal. Like like I said, leading up to a game, McDermott's a phenomenal coach. On game day, on the sidelines, I have very little faith. Yeah, why? Like NFL teams have infinite money. Why don't they hire someone to just be the person who who raises up a sign that says yes or no to go on fourth down? Yeah, that's it. Like, what does Greg do? Well, I pay him $120,000 a year, and he has a calculator, and he holds up a sign with a thumbs up if we're supposed to go for it on fourth, or a thumbs down if we're supposed to kick the field goal. And we pay him $500,000 a year. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, remember last year, which McDermott is nowhere near this bad, obviously, but remember last year when the Broncos had to bring in, like, wasn't like a timeout person for Nathaniel Hackett? They had to to bring in, like, a consultation because they kept getting delay of games. That was it, Yeah. yeah. Remember, because like in game one of the season, Broncos fans were counting down the play clock because they had already gotten like two delay of games and called two timeouts. Not pretty. Auspicious, some would say. So stop talking about football from years ago and instead talk about football from this year's. 1 p.m. slate, two walk-off field goals. 4 p.m. slate, three walk-off field goals. If you're including Sunday Night Football, there was two different game-sealing picks. There was uh, seven games that hit the over. It was a pretty good fun to- Sunday of football. Also, beyond that, you nailed your daily schedule. I'm pretty sure you slept through the early game and then went to the movies during Sunday Night Football, which means you were just around for, like, the top two time slots in yeah. football all season. I did. I slept through Colts-Pats, and then once I saw what the Sunday Night game was, I think when we were recording on Thursday, after, like, after that, I was like, dope, I'm buying tickets to go see Killer of the Flyer Moon. <laughs> much better way to spend my time. It is a much better way. So, is it all just downhill from here, Mike? No. You sure about that? Have you looked at the slate next week? Probably not pretty. Cincinnati-Baltimore on Thursday. That's good. Yep. Cardinals-Texans, which could be the game of the day, and then Monday is Eagles-Chiefs. Yeah, they're finally giving us two of the, like, Thursday and Monday night games. They're finally giving us, like, a really good one. Yeah, those those are by far the best games of, of Week 11 are the Thursday and Monday. But then on actual Sunday, it's it's kind of somehow Arizona and Houston are the best game. Yeah, a lot of divisional matchups. So that's that's cool. Yeah, it's rivalry week. All right, that's the future. We're supposed to be talking about the past on this podcast today. It's a good point. I'm just, just saying, is it downhill from here? I mean, who knows? Like, there's a handful of games this week I don't think people expected to be really good. And what they were. What game did people not expect to be good that was good? Commander Seahawks. I don't think everybody was... Really yeah, but on that one. fuck everyone. You were in on that one. One of the oh, two I'm... of us was. 50% of talent alone knew that was going to be a good game. Football genius. I can't help it. That's what we call you. Mike the football genius Regan. Or Mike Hot Mulligan Regan, I think, is what I called you earlier today. <laughs> yeah. Beyond, beyond what we talked about there, by the way. Beyond just those, those raw stats. Also, just to, to throw out some other things that made Sunday exciting. The Chargers and Lions combined to go for it eight times on fourth down. And converted seven of those eight. The Giants continued to throw the ball deep while up 28. They scored two more passing touchdowns after they were up 28 points. We got toddler Kyler making runs. Yeah. We had three different touchdowns of at least 15 yards that were passes to running backs in Commander Seahawks. There was something in every game. Even fucking Saints and Vikings. 
AJ Perry or AT Perry and Chris Olave had two of the most ridiculous touchdown catches I've seen this season. Oh, that Olave one was wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a really fucking good Sunday. And I feel like we don't get that enough. Sometimes we just got to sit back and say, you know what? It's a good Sunday. Someone was poo-pooing Olave. I was talking to him the other day. And they weren't like really harsh on him, but they were like, yeah, he's having a rough season. He might not be as good as we thought. And I was like, have you seen his quarterback situation? <laughs> like, no, Olave is very talented. Let's give it a little bit of time. They have the they have the throw it for eight yards on fourth and ten king Derek Carr, and then they have Mister Thirty and Thirty, Jameis Winston. Yeah. Mister Thirty and Thirty had to come in because mm-hmm. Derek Carr got hurt. Also, a lot of quarterback injuries that unveiled backup quarterbacks who used to be starters with nothing to lose. We had yeah. Derek Carr go down and Jameis Winston come in, who immediately started Yolo balling it out. He had a throw, I think maybe his second or third throw where he rolled out to the right, threw across his body to the left for, like, a 15-yard touchdown. Yeah, if I was tasked with predicting a Jameis Winston box score, I would say over 250 yards for sure, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Maybe three and three, but whatever it is, they're going to equal. He's like the Carolina Hurricanes of quarterbacks. It's just high event. Every time mm-hmm. Jameis Winston takes a drop back, something interesting will happen. It's never going to be reads the field left to right and throws into the flat. He is a better version of Taylor Heineke. <laughs> Heineke gets hurt, and then we get Desmond Ritter with nothing to lose coming in. Yeah. And what does he do immediately? Runs in a touchdown, this time without fumbling the ball. Mm-hmm. My man's learning. My man's learning. All right, Mike, you want to throw out a headline there? Yeah, so we mentioned it a little bit already, but AFC North's wide open now. Like I, I said last week, I was like, I mean, the Ravens should win this pretty easily, but if the Lions or the Browns somehow win it, I mean, that it's a pretty big game divisional-wise because Ravens win this. They go to 8-2. and two, They knock the Browns down to four losses. Now the Bengals are at four losses. Like, they really start to put away this division. And now they don't. And now it's kind of wide open. I don't know if you know this or not, but do you know the Browns aren't even currently in second place in the division? Yeah, they have the the Steelers have the tiebreaker on. Yeah, they have the the divisional record tiebreaker on them. Yeah. So just to to run the down this division for people that don't know, on Sunday, the Browns and Steelers win, Bengals and Ravens lose. Right now, we're sitting at Ravens at seven seven and three, Steelers at six and three, Browns at six and three. Bengals at five and four. And then to make this even more interesting, the Bengals have the hardest remaining strength of schedule by opponent win percentage, which isn't, you know, the world's best statistic because like the Bengals don't look like a scary opponent by win percentage, but they are a scary opponent by the people that are on the team. Mm-hmm. But Bengals have the hardest remaining strength of schedule. And the Ravens have the fourth hardest remaining strength in schedule. But then the Steelers and Browns have the 17th and 22nd remaining strength of schedules, respectively. So there's like a real opportunity here for the Steelers and Browns, who are abysmal on offense, to somehow sneak it out and be in contention to win the division. Yeah, it's going to be interesting coming down the stretch. And so this Baltimore Ravens game. Final score, 30-31 to 31 on a walk-off field goal. A lot of times we talk, and I say, 
no, I like games with like a, I like really good defensive matchups. I think they're they can be fun games. And you always say, what do you mean? So you like low scoring games? And I always struggle to explain what I mean. This is the perfect example. So thirty three thirty one got high scoring, but still. Baltimore has 306 yards of offense. Cleveland somehow had 373. Four total turnovers, seven sacks, two pick sixes. Like, this is an example of a game where two defenses play really well, but it doesn't, the game's not boring. So, worth noting, you say that you're surprised by how many offensive yards Cleveland had. Deshaun Watson went 14 for 14 second half. Do you know the last time Deshaun Watson went at least 14 for 14? Did he have 14 massages in a row? I was going to say, he went 22 for 22 on settling out of court on sexual assault charges. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, You're both same joke. We got there different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. The confusing thing about this game that people have been talking about, so I've got to jump on the bandwagon here, is that to start the game, their rookie running back, uh, Keaton Mitchell, went way the hell off. And then come the second half, he got like one more carry. Like they really, they really, yeah, they really relied on Gus the bus who managed to average a scorching 2.2 yards per carry. Yeah. Meanwhile, Keaton Mitchell, three for 34, averaging obviously 11.3 carry in a touchdown. I wonder if, uh, did he have like the Bijan sickness? Are they going to come out and say he was sick? But he also had a receiving touchdown, by the way. Oh yeah. So two total touchdowns. He was cooking. He had, he had three carries and still led the team in receiving or in, uh, in rushing yards outside of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, they really, uh, the Ravens really sat on their balls in this one. Yeah, they did. That Lamar Jackson pick six really hurt, but they were, they were hurting before that. I don't know. The play calling kind of fell in the toilet a little bit. Shout out, my boy. Greatest safety in the league. Comes from a school that just churns out defensive backs. Kyle Hamilton took it to the house this week. Love it. Love it. So real quick. Mike, have you looked up the odds to win the AFC North? I have not. So I'll give you this. I'll tell you currently, the Ravens are plus 140, and they are currently the favorite. Do you think you can guess the odds for any other team? I'm going to say the Bengals are plus 500. Close. They are 430. Okay. I'm going to say the uh, Browns are plus 650. Browns are 2-1. to one. Plus 200. Yeah. Wow. I thought the, like, retroactively, who the Bengals are over the past two seasons, the stars on the team, people would still be giving them the benefit of the doubt. So. Too far behind, man. Yeah. I'm guessing the, are the Packers last then? Are they above the Bengals? That'd be, that'd be weird because the Packers don't play in this division. (laughs) I meant the Steelers, the team that beat the Packers. Steelers are last. They're plus 550. Currently, if the season ended right now, by the way, Bengals wouldn't be in the playoffs. No. Neither were the, the Bills. I know. <laughs> What's your next headline? Oh, wait. Let uh, me ask you real quick. Who do you have? Do you, are you still Ravens winning the division? Yeah. Okay. Divisional games are weird, right? Because it's a team that you play twice every single year. So coaches and general managers tend to know tendencies of these teams better than any other team in the league and know how to build against them and game plan against them. So if there's going to be three teams that perform the best against Lamar Jackson, you would expect it to be those three teams. And before you give me your next headline, just to be fair, to be fair, I, sh- I shout out Kyle Hamilton. Pick sixes in general are awesome. So shout out Greg Newsom the second as well. 
I appreciate you throwing on his uh, official name, his full name. Just waiting for that headline, brother. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. All right. <laughs> Yeah, so here's 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 a question for you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Is there an MVP this year? It feels very. I know you don't follow college football, but throughout the season, it felt like every week to two weeks, there's a different front runner for Heisman. <laughs> like it just keeps shifting around. I feel like the MVP has been the same way this year. Should we go back to when we were talking about the 2003 MVP again? Should we give it to two different guys? No, I don't think so. Two still has to be in front, right? Nope. Really? Don't worry. Here, I'll go, I'll go through the stats, and we can talk about it a little bit more after. Okay. So, conventional research has taught us that the traditional winner of the MVP is the quarterback on the one or two seed who has the highest EPA per play. And that's been pretty consistent over the last, you know, 10 years or so, probably back to the Adrian Peterson MVP. So, let's go through each of those stats individually, shouldn't we? If you look at the two seeds in each conference, it's currently Kansas City and Baltimore in the AFC and Philly and Detroit in the NFC. So then the other aspect of that is the top in EPA, the top three players, the top three quarterbacks in EPA per dropback right now, Brock Purdy, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott. Notably, none of those three are on the one or two seed currently. Okay, what if we look at some other random passing stats, counting stats that help improve people's cases? The current passing yards leaders in the NFL are Sam Howell, C.J. Stroud, and Tua Tungavailoa. Once again, no overlap between EPA, seeding, or passage yard leaders. Then if we do passing touchdowns, you get Tua again at number one, Josh Allen at number two, and somehow still Kirk Cousins at number three. Which was a weird one. Didn't expect that. I say that all that to say, the current four frontrunners for the award are Mahomes at plus... 250, Hurts at 3-1, to one, and then Lamar and Tua are tied at 6-1. to one. I mean, that's just... They're all playing well this year. Maybe not to what we expected, especially in Mahomes and Hurts cases, I think. But I wonder how much that is fueled by, like, Mahomes and Lamar have done it before. They're on good teams. Hurts on, is on a good team, and he... He had to be second last year in voting, right? Yeah, he was second. Yeah, so... A lot of that's going can off you, their Can pride. you imagine not giving it to Hertz last year after that season, but then giving it to Hertz this year? Yeah, it would feel like a, a James Harden MVP. Not that he didn't play great his MVP year, but there was a little bit of a feeling of... Um, you got dogs following you. Yeah, um, of getting it right. Like, a, oh, our bad, we shouldn't have given it to Russ last year. That was RB, RB. <laughs> If you had to guess right now, who would you guess wins MVP? I'm going to guess that once Josh Allen doesn't lose in a single game the rest of the year, they'll probably have to give it to him. Yeah, so yeah. if the Bills don't lose a single game the rest of the year, are they, if they don't lose a single game the rest of the year, is their record good enough to make the playoffs? I mean, yeah, they've lost a lot of games so far this year. Like, a lot of games. I think it would be pretty safe to say that 13-4 and four gets you in. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. I think we'll it's see. erroneous that, you know, CMC. Come on. <laughs> we do this every year. It's the most valuable player. There's no, like, the 13th best quarterback in the league is more valuable than any other position. And also, beyond that, if you want to start ranking positional importance, running back isn't even second. 
No. It's like quarterback, defensive end, offensive tackle, kicker, safety, middle linebacker. Kind of lost the plot here. I was trying to insult Christian McCaffrey, but. You said kicker so aggressively. Kicker. <laughs> uh, you know what? Well, then I think it's bullshit because I think that they're six and three and it the Browns are six and three and it's all because of Miles Garrett. I would I would stand for a Miles Garrett should be MVP argument way before I would stand for a Tyree Kill or CMC should be MVP argument. Yeah, like he the Browns score to make it a one possession game. The Ravens come back out and on third and fourth down, Miles Garrett gets a sack to get his team the ball back. Like that's that that's big play shit. That's some big play shit. Also, shout out. I was looking up how Miles Garrett did yesterday. You know, because he's phenomenal. He uh four total pressures, uh slightly lower than usual 18.8 win percentage. He did have the two sacks and two hurries. You know who actually had the highest pressure grade on the Browns? I'm gonna go with Denzel Ward. Does he even play on this team anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I know I wasn't I wasn't uh, watching this game that closely because I don't watch Browns games. Um, okay. Who was it? According to PFF, they gave it to Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, the linebacker out of what school? Oh, Notre that's... Dame. Oh. <laughs> Got two Notre Dame references in about the same game. We're go, we're supposed to be talking about the MVP. Why are you talking about Jeremiah Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa right now? I don't know, because I, I was going to start praising Miles Garrett and saying he should be in the running. And so I pulled up how he did in the Baltimore game. Nice notice. My boy Owusu up there. Yeah. So to talk MVP again, you can go through and find games where Miles Garrett isn't the most impactful player on the defense. I dare you to go find one game where the quarterback wasn't the most impactful player on the offense. Yeah, no, I, I will always be pulling for it and try to make arguments to the cows come home. But... I concede because I understand it's a quarterback league. It's a quarterback award. One of the few quarterback leagues in the world, some would say. But they need to get rid of, in my opinion, like why do you even have offensive player of the year? To give the MVP to a guy who would never win it because he's not a quarterback. But they never do that. Offensive player of the year goes to players who aren't quarterback usually. Well, that's a shitty feeling to be like, you're offensive player of the year because we don't give. Then just call it quarterback of the year. Get rid of the MVP name. We're just going to call it quarterback of the year. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'd be fine. We all know what the well. award still is. MVP QB. Why aren't, you, why aren't you taking this up with the NHL, by the way? What do you mean? When's the last time someone who wasn't a forward won the heart? I mean, goalies have won it. Dominic When's Hastic. the last time a goalie won it? Adrian After. Peterson won the MVP in 2007. Or something like I know, that, 2012? Something I know like Dominic Hasek won it twice. I don't about know about a defenseman? Since then. It was like a defenseman won it. I don't know. Did Kale McCarr even get votes two years ago? Defensemen ha defensemen have their own award. Oh, shit. I shouldn't have said that, because that kind of goes against my MVP argument. <laughs> Let's see here. All right. Bullies have Long their own award, too. Time. They do. Uh, McDavid, Kane. So the last time was Carey Price in tw the 2014-15 season. 
planet, which was notably the lockout shortened season. Was it? No, I haven't watched. I was like, I don't think I was trying to make my argument stick more. Yeah, so he he was a goalie, but then prior to that, you have to go back to Chris Pronger was the last defenseman to win it in 1999-2000. This is not the Baski podcast, though, so. Well, while we're, while we're plugging Baski, let me just say, shout-outs, Jay Woodcroft, you are welcome to join the Town Alone family. We will take you on. We'll have you on the podcast every week. You can write articles. Absolutely. We'll, we'll work around your schedule. If you want to come on and be part of the Baski podcast, whenever you want to record it, we'll be there. If all you, even if all you want to write and the only segments you want to do on the podcast are just total Oilers hit pieces. Come on. I, I actually would have fun doing that. So. In, in his defense, that's all we do on there anyways. Right? This is the goddamn football podcast, Mike. This is the goddamn football podcast. Him and Josh McDaniels can hop on Team Town yeah. 1. Get in here. Is it my segment? Yeah. Well, not your segment, but it's your <laughs> turn to give me a headline. Oh, that's right. Uh... Should we believe in Sam Howell? Or is he just in our Blake Bortles where he's going to put up big numbers? I kind of think he might be good. I think so. First of all, I wondered what his full name was. And it is Samuel Duke Howell. His middle name is Duke. But he went to UNC. (laughs) Yes, he played for the Tar Heels. This is amazing. It's like being a gay Republican. Yeah. So if you just, you know, ignore that weird situation that's a badass middle name why doesn't he go by that like sam howell fifth round pick duke howell early second definitely duke howell duke howell's number one overall <laughs> you gotta go out there and get you duke like if, a great if baker mayfield's first name was jared he never would have been the number one overall pick no absolutely not but duke howell fuck man that's a cool name that guy rides motorcycles that's just got an old school Southern QB like sound to it. All Duke Howell out there, hell of a quarterback. Yeah, like his coach gets on his case because he keeps going out into the huddle with a big lip packed full of dip. <laughs> yeah. During the offseason, he's just working at the farm. <laughs> he audibles every play. <laughs> they haven't Fuck run the game. ball in four years under Duke Howell. <laughs> Duke Howell. Uh, played a good game yesterday, 65.9%. Completion, 312 yards, three tutties to zero interceptions. He did, despite those numbers, it is a little unfortunate or surprising that he had an A dot of 4.3. They, they were throwing, a, they, they have been recently. It's a correction to the, to the offensive line. His time to throw has been plummeting also, but they run so much quick screen game to the wide receivers and running back wheel routes and shit like that. I mean, they had two different touchdowns to running backs running routes out of the backfield this game. Yeah. He had the one... I don't know. I, I guess it was a really nice throw. He, he put it just high enough to get mm-hmm. over two defenders into his best weapons hands of Scurry Terry. So, I mean... I, it was like a weird one. It was like, I feel like he was covered, but he just rocketed in there just high enough to pull that off. And Terry went up and got it. And that was a big, a big play on his, that was, I think that was, that was a fourth down play, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that converted first down. That was, I mean, that was one of those, the two things that Hal has noticeably improved on recently are time to throw and accuracy. And it's been kind of crazy to watch it throughout the season, just to see how he's, significantly begun to improve on those on a week-to-week basis. I mean, he's 
the time to throw thing was atrocious at the start of the year. That's why he was on pace to break David Carr's sack record. It wasn't the offensive line, which is bad, but it wasn't the offensive line. It was because he had that rookie thing where he was used to playing in college, where if you have a good team, you're just so much better than the bad team. So he could just hold on the ball and pat it over and over and over again because pass rushers from James Madison can't get through a moderately competent offensive line. James Madison's undefeated this year, first of all, in their second year in the FBS, so how dare you? <laughs> no, I get it. You don't have five-star Alabama-caliber pass rushers coming at you, and he's athletic enough to dipsy-doodle and, and run around them. But, so, I totally get that. And, like, who the hell was the receiver he hit the game-winning touchdown to? Was it... Deami Brown? Deami Brown, yeah. I didn't even know he was on your team. I just want to point out that. Oh, sorry. The game-tying touchdown. Diami Brown, who he played with at UNC. Oh, that's one of those like, hey, they used to link up before. Let's let's give it a shot. Yeah, okay. it's basically it's basically like the better version of Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. Yeah. But you said the better version. I <laughs> uh, I I remember you lamenting to me, either off pod or on pod, that you Hal just hangs on to the ball too long. He's he can't do it. He hangs on to the ball too long. He's getting sacked too many times. But yeah, the uh, the awareness in the pocket and the change up to get the ball out quicker has been benefit to them. And then once again, you get what you want. A close, fun game, but they lose to move up the draft board. Yeah. Yeah. And how's time to throw right now is average in the league. I would say prior to week five. And I'm just throwing that number out there. I'm just guessing. Week five or six, his time to throw is the longest in the league. Like Eric Bieniemy is getting something to that fucker's head, man. He's learning. No matter how dopey he looks when you look at his face, there's something going on upstairs. Although there was, there was a horrific quote this week that uh, the, you know, Matt Ryan or whoever in the, the booth was talking about, where they were talking about how they interviewed Eric Bieniemy, and Bieniemy said that when he was he was used to coaching Mahomes, and that Mahomes would just like learn from his mistakes, right? Like he would fuck up and he would learn it, but Sam Howell doesn't do that. Sam Howell will keep making the same mistake until someone explains to him what the mistake is. And Eric Bieniemy was like, and that's how I'm really improving as a coach. And Matt Ryan or whoever was like, that's just, you really love to see Eric Bieniemy learning how to coach like that. And I was sitting there, I was like, I have more questions about how Sam Howell doesn't learn anything unless someone tells him what happened the first time he touched a hot surface. Did he just leave his hand there until his mom went, you're burning, stop. No, he just kept going back and touching it again. I mean, maybe he's, he's just got that big dick energy where he's like, I'll get it next time. Big Duke energy. Big Duke energy. He's like, uh, I'll, I'll pull that playoff next time. Don't worry about it. And boy, did he try it for a while there. Yeah, and then basically Eric Bannaby got it through his head. He was like, no, our offensive line is not going to give you the time to do that. <laughs> I'm going to need you to get the ball out sooner. But anyway, you got any more headlines? I do, but I just want to look this up real quick. Hankathon now has you projected to take Jared Verse at 11 overall. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's go. Yeah replace the other two defensive ends you traded away. Makes sense. All right. So I just want to point out that Sam Howell has 17 touchdowns and nine interceptions on the season. But if you take away that absolutely atrocious Buffalo game, mm-hmm. it's 17 touchdowns to five interceptions right now. And in the last four or five weeks, 
he's gone from being sacked on an average of three times per game to being sacked on an average, or sorry, an average of, oh my God, I had the, the list upside down when I was looking at sacks. Here's, here's the sack numbers. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. This is starting at week one. Week one, six, four, nine, nine against Buffalo. He got sacked nine times against Buffalo. Yeah. Five, 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 six. And then something clicked, man. One, three, and three. Yeah. He's getting better. He's getting better. better. Talking myself into it. He might be the best quarterback of my generation when it comes to commander's quarterbacks. Yeah, It's basically a running between Hal and year one RG3. Yeah, it's, it's running between Hal and RG3s between week one and 15. Yeah. So I got one more headline for you. All right. You got to talk about it. I, I'm sure it'll come up later because we have an award. It might be a little slanted towards this. Fucking Stroud crowd, man. He's so legit. He's so legit. The Texans are five and four after losing their first two games. They're second in the AFC South behind the fraud Jacksonville Jaguars. They're currently in the playoffs in the AFC. Like they went from being the number two overall pick that they only got because Davis Mills turned into fucking Peyton Manning for one drive. And now they're the seventh seed. In one draft class, and mind you, they nailed that draft class with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. I told you. (laughs) You pushed back on that. I was like, no, I love what they did. I told you. Like, he had a phenomenal game. Yeah, the one interception was pretty brutal, but he's a rookie. He's going to have those mistakes here and there, you know? And then, unlike Sam Howell, no one has to tell him, and he picks it up and he learns from it. He had four big-time throws, which I know is a weird stat. You want to go specific niche stats? I got one of those, too. Go for it. He has an 85.6 uh, points, expected points added on throws that were at least 10 air yards. He's added 85.6 expected points this season on throws of 10 plus air yards. This week, the Bengals were just playing drop eight all game because they heard, I was talking about this, they heard that if you rush three and get pressure on CJ Stroud, that's how you stop him. And he just absolutely shredded their drop eight. For another just outrageous C.J. Stroud stat line, 23 for 39 for 356 yards, one touchdown, one interception, which backbreaking interception, but they still somehow got away with it. Yeah, and I mean, it is one of those situations where, like I said, with Miles Garrett, which totally killed my argument for MVP, they have a defensive player of the year award. They have offensive rookie of the year, but I don't think it's crazy what you said last week. He kind of should be in MVP conversations. Like, no one's saying win it, right? Like, it's kind of the CMC Tyree kill argument right now. Like, CJ Stroud isn't the best quarterback in the league right now. No. So he probably shouldn't win it. But he could, like, at least get a fifth place vote. He should at least be, like, fourth or fifth in voting right now. Seriously, can you name five players that are having better seasons than CJ Stroud right now. I should say five quarterbacks because we're talking MVP. Can you name five quarterbacks that are having better seasons than CJ Stroud? I mean, you, you get into, you know, look at their record or look what they do on, on the ground. But I mean, statistically, I don't know how many there are. I'd have to look it up. How about this? Wise. If you were drafting quarterbacks right now, how many quarterbacks would you take ahead of C.J. Stroud? You have to take their contract with them. I'll say that because that okay. also rockets C.J. Stroud up a little bit. 
but I think there's some obvious ones at the top. So go ahead. Let's hear your, let's hear your, your draft picks for quarterback. So I think guys like Allen Mahomes, they're worth the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen hurts. I would take him, but there's an argument. If I was going to write, run the right offense, then I would take him. Uh, then like Lamar uh, Stroud's just playing so good. He's so cheap. So it might be like three. Lamar's really expensive. I don't know if I'd want to pay that when I could get a cheap guy like Stroud, you know? And then like Herbert is another guy, but Herbert's just yeah. expensive Stroud now. Yeah. And hell Stroud even got a rushing touchdown yesterday, which Herbert's never done in his career. No, I think he has. <laughs> That's not true. I just made that up. Just wanted to make my argument sound better. Yeah. And should we mention that? I feel like at the start of the year, Stroud starts coming on and it was like, yeah, well, they're going to have to put up points because this Texans defense, like going into the season, like this Texas defense is going to be bad. I feel like they've been playing well. They've been getting better. I even think the offensive line, as far as pass protection goes, have, have been getting better. Like this team's improving. They're getting, they're, they're rolling. They're rolling right now. I think D'Amico Ryan is a legit coach. He's coach of the year. No, I say Coach Thiers, D'Amico Ryan, understanding how they give it out. Okay, fair enough. Then yes, Coach of the Year is yeah. D'Amico Ryan. Take or a bad Brian team, Dayball, one of the two. Take a bad team from very bad to a winning record in your Coach of the Year. That's it. Yeah, in your first or second year being a coach, taking a, a team from bad to good. That's yeah. how you win and Coach the, of the Year. And that's why we see so many where the Coach of the Year then turns into a pumpkin. <laughs> you know, C.J. Stroud is the second youngest quarterback to start a game this season. Who's the youngest? Anthony Richardson. Oh, yeah. But CJ Stroud's like barely 22. Aiden O'Connell is 29 and owns two small businesses. Yeah. I, I mean, he's two small businesses. It's, he's a football player, so he definitely owns a used car dealership and like a chain of Applebee's. They're not yeah. small businesses, but you know. Uh, I'll tell you what, Ohio State wishes they still had Stroud right now. So. Hey, oh, get fucked. Who's who's the Ohio State quarterback right now? Kyle McCord. Eh, I, I don't believe you. That sounds more like an ACC quarterback to me. No, that's it. You can't have the last name McCord and play anywhere in the Midwest. That's not how that works, Kyle. Kyle. Michigan's quarterback's name is J.J. McCarthy. That sounds like a... That sounds like a guy who should be playing like in the old Big East. Yeah. Play for like UConn. I love this game. This is fun. We should we should figure out a way to make this into money. <laughs> Got to start making money off this. All right, Mike, you got I, anything else before we move on to the Falcons? Yeah, real quick. This one won't take long. So he signed the extension, but rumors and reports are coming out that Bilicek and the Pats could agree mutually agree to part ways after the season. You buying or selling this? I'm buying it. I yeah. think there's enough smoke to where there must be a fire. And I think that the truth is that Robert Kraft wants to fire Belichick and Belichick has garnered too much respect to be fired. I think that, I think Simmons brought this up on his podcast, but at this point there's, it's gone too badly for any of us to take the Bill Belichick decided to step away. Like if, if after like two or three games of how dog shit the season has been going, if Belichick had stepped away, we all would have been like, oh, his heart just wasn't into it. But this season has been so bad. Once again, this week, they benched Mac Jones for Bailey Zappi. Once again, they did that. So I think at this point, 
There's no salvaging it to make Belichick look good. And also, Robert Kraft is 97 years old and just got found out for getting tuggers at a massage parlor like two years ago. Yeah, not a great And and we're just supposed to be like, yeah, let this guy hire another coach. I'm sure they'll win a Super Bowl. At least his tuggers were consensual. Well, as consensual as it can get to pay a masseuse to jerk you off, I guess. That's true. So here's my thing. I think I'm, I'm buying it. I think it's going to happen. I think one of the things that could stop it from happening, potentially, possibly, maybe. Apocalypse. It is an apocalypse, yes. <laughs> That's number one on the list. <laughs> number two is, so they're currently number three in the draft. And I think if they finish and based on where they are and how the draft board is, if they're like, hey, we're, we're going to be able to get either Williams or Drake May, I could see that maybe convincing Belichick to hang around. But does it convince Robert, the handjob man, Kraft, to keep Belichick around? Or do you bring in Drake May, and he goes, you know who's going to call in offenses? That Josh McDaniels. Maybe we should give him a try at head coach. That would be... Oh, that must be too funny. I don't know if I... I would die from laughter. That would be the end of the Town Alone podcast. On I my just want to back to the head coach, man. Like, it's going to be so sad when Riverboat Ron and Brandon Staley get canned at the end of the year, and then next year we'll just have to, like, for the Brandon Staley Memorial Worst Coaching Decision of the Week Award, we just have to throw up our hands and go, they're all good now. Yeah. None of the decisions are bad. What are we supposed to do about this? Oh, no, we can wait and see if, if Everflus doesn't get fired. Then he could be in the running. Oh, man. A man can dream. <laughs> you got any other thoughts on Belichick? No, I just want to talk about that. Tom Brady to coach that team. How'd you feel about that? That would be so much... I don't know why... Player, I love player like former players that become like actual former good players that become coaches. Not like, yeah, I played for three years as a third string linebacker. <laughs> I don't know why I did that in the 1940s announcer voice, but you get it. Well, Sean McVay was like a backup quarterback for his whole life, and he's pretty good. You get well. They say those who can't do teach, so I feel like you get a <laughs> lot of backups and depth players. You think Tom Brady would just be smashing shit with chairs whenever people showed up at like 7 a.m. instead of 4 a.m. Yeah, he was, like, one of the people who, like, every year there'd be a couple clips of him just, like, talking to his offensive linemen and just running them down. And then after the game, they'd ask him about it. They'd ask, like, the linemen about it. And he'd be like, nah, man, I mean, that's just, you know, Bray's passionate. He knew we weren't playing like we could. Not talk us up. And it was like, oh, cool, Bray's a good guy. But then did you see Bill O'Brien just, like, literally in Mac Jones' ear screaming and violently pointing at the tablet? Yeah. <laughs> Like that, I don't know. Something about players yelling at players is like they're a team. They're sorting shit out among themselves. I get it. Something about coaches belittling grown men who are making millions of dollars just feels off to me. Like, but how frustrated would you be if your job security was dependent on Mac Jones being good at something? Can you be frustrated for something that was already like a certainty? Like, what, do you think he was going to turn it around this year all of a sudden and become fucking Peyton Manning? There's like, a quote is going to happen. There's a quote that I love and I think applies to the situation where someone said that great quarterbacks either have to really believe in God or start to believe that they are God. And it kind of applies to Bill O'Brien in the sense, like to take the jobs as the Patriots offensive quarter, quarter coordinator, quarter, the offensive coordinator, you either have to really believe that you are an offensive genius or really believe that God is watching over you. That's true. It's got got to be one or the other. See, he or, just him. He's like, don't throw it to the other team. 
you think there's any head like any coaches who are like Scientologists? They don't have the time for that, man. That's a no. commitment. If anyone was going to be, my guess, Mike McDaniel. Oh, I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah. That one makes sense. Like he did it as a joke once, but now he's in too deep. Yeah. All right. Every week we go through. Why are you talking over me, man? No, you th- you want to host now? All right, fine. I'll sit down. You do the rest of the podcast. <laughs> so let's talk about Josh Allen. I'll start at the beginning. Stop it. Stop it. You <laughs> stop it. You you. You stop it. So for those of you who are new to the show, before the season started, Mike picked the Atlanta Falcons as the team that we will follow all season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this was a mutual decision, okay? I came I came to you with a list of teams, and we just happened to overlap on Falcons. All right. <laughs> Anyways, the official team of town alone for the 2023-2024 regular season. I emphasize regular season because if we make it to the playoffs, I can't do this shit anymore, man. I can't keep watching these guys play twice a week. The team is so bad. Like, I thought it was going to be fun, and then it wasn't. thought it was going to be awesome, but then it fucking sucked. So every week, we talk about the Atlanta Falcons' previous game, and then every Friday, we talk about their next game. So this week, they played the Arizona Cardinals in Kyler Murray's return to the field. For the first time since his ACL tear. What we do for this segment typically is we get a short recap of the game. Followed by guessing, I guess, their top five PFF grades. And then hand out three stars for the game. That being said, there isn't much recapping to do here. I'll tell you this. The Falcons lost on a last second field goal. Kyler Murray looked very good despite running like a toddler who just took a shit in his diaper. And the Falcons now fall to third in the division at four and six. You got some chuckles there, Mike? No, I just... I was just laughing about the toddler who took a shit. Because in my head, he runs like a toddler who just like turned around the corner and got scared by something. Now he's just sprinting away. Like just a toddler screaming. a toddler that knocks something off. Yeah. <laughs> knocks something off like his parents' nightstand. It shattered. And his thought is, if I get away with this, they can't blame me. Yes. If I'm not in the room, they'll never know. Did but you by see God. that run he had where he ran like 15 yards back and then came all the way back around for a first down? Yeah. So you think if, I feel like after this game in the office or wherever in the locker room, the, like Jonathan Gannon, the GM, the owner, sat him down and they were like, so happy for you. You came back after a long recovery, got the win, but no more winning. You have to understand that. <laughs> no more. You're done. You got your one. No more. The, I, it's got to be the owner and the GM are just frothing at the mouth for that number one overall pick. And Kyler and Jonathan Gannon are just doing everything in their power to dismantle that. Because I would agree with you that Jonathan Gannon's in on it. But they brought in Clayton Toon for QB sneaks. And if I want my team to lose, I'm going to do everything in my power to have Kyler Murray QB sneak. Why? Because he might get hurt again? No, because he's tiny. That's true. It's like the opposite of the Jalen Hurts tush push. Like, if you push Kyler Murray, he ain't going anywhere. He's like 5'1". Is it legal to have the running back, like, grab him? by his belt and his collar and just chuck him over. Yeah. Is that legal? Like when they threw the little people in Wall Street. Full yeah. circle. Wait, Full was that on the podcast I talked about that? Or did that seem like it, it was, just came out of nowhere? It was not. It Whoops. was not of the pod. Whoops. If you guys were listening to it. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I know that we are doing a Falcon segment and just managed to talk about the Cardinals. So just want to point out. First off, Kyler had a great throw to Hollywood Brown. What's up, buddy? The Cardinals are more interesting. <laughs> the Cardinals are more interesting. 
Uh, Kyler had a great throw to, to Hollywood Brown for a touchdown. Kyler is legit. Kyler might be, like, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, Kyler Murray, top eight quarterback. I'm going to tell you to settle down there. But I do think he is good. And I think they want this high draft pick and they want to get, like, a Bears-esque return that they got from Carolina. That's yeah, why they like, want it. If they get number one and they jump the Bears... And the let's say that they get number one and the Giants get number two, or vice versa, like in that some of that order there. And Arizona can just hold the Bears hostage. Like, you want the pick, trade up for it. And they keep Kyler around, that team might be legit good faster than we think. Yeah, if they get like a if they can get two top ten picks, get one of the top linemen. If you get Marvin Harrison Jr. That's what I'm about to say. I'm trying to think how they can do that. Like like the Bears. The Bears end up like three or four. Cardinals have one. They'll probably have to end up three to pull it off. But Cardinals have one. And they're like, all right, we're going to flip one for three. Plus you're giving us your other pick. Like a, a two for one special there. That does seem like something that Ryan Poles would do. Which once again, go go listen back as uh, a few podcasts ago. I kind of low-key think Ryan Poles is a good GM. But anyways, to talk about the Falcons for a second, I guess. Uh, Arthur Smith shaved his mustache. Didn't do anything. They still turned over the ball. Taylor Heineke gets hurt in the fourth, I believe it was. I thought I had it written down. Yeah. T- Taylor Heineke gets injured in the fourth. Desmond Ritter takes over, down five, runs in a touchdown to take the lead. Kyler Murray marches back down the field. They kick a field goal. Matt Pratter wins the game. Matt, definitely not 65 years old Pratter. Like, you remember in... uh. Benchwarmers. You remember in okay. Benchwarmers when they bring in the guys that are like too old to play, yeah. but they, when they hand it over the birth certificate, it just is like a $100 bill or whatever? Yeah. Like, you think Matt Pratter's doing that every season? Like, ESPN stats and info goes to him and he's like, all right, Matt, how old are you this season? And he just hands him a birth certificate with like a $1,000 check and it says like 38. <laughs> is he really? Like, does he seem that old to you? He's, he, if you look at a picture of Matt Pratter, Matt Bradder looks like a guy that retired from accounting a year ago and has spent the entire time drinking beer. You know what I think it is? Is I think kickers can bounce around so much. And if you're on enough teams, people will be like, haven't you been around for like 25 years? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, I think, I think he's been is on his third team now. Yeah. You know, just talk about kickers for a second. If you had to guess, just off the top of your head, who is currently the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys? Mm-hmm. Kicker for the Dallas Cowboys is... I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I've watched more than half of available Cowboy snaps this season, and it surprises me every week. It's a rookie named Brandon Aubrey. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. I and also, guessed- this week, he had a weird stat line. That's The only reason I bring it up is just when I was like doing research into this, you don't hear his name called very often because the Cowboys kick like remarkably few field goals. They tend to punt from the 40, but he went, he scored seven total points, right? Now, if you had to guess how a kicker scored seven total points, what would your guess be on how those points broke down? Well, with Dallas's offense, you would guess like a field goal and four extra points. He had seven extra points. Yeah, that's what I figured though for this game. Anyways, once again, we were talking about the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, here, I'll, I'll jump in. And actually say something positive about the Falcons, which even though there's not much to say, 
and this is like a backhanded compliment because I I wrote down fucking finally that with their offensive line, who as we've established is pretty good, they finally put up they put up 184 on the ground, 138 specifically from their halfbacks. Why did I say halfbacks? How old am I? From their <laughs> running backs, and 95 from Bijan, who averaged 4.3 a carry. Like about damn time. Bijan, 75% of the snaps in this game. Keith Smith, 30% of the snaps at running back. Cordero Patterson, 31% of the snaps. Tyler Algier, their number two running back, 27%. The least amount of snaps of a running back on the team. Yeah, but Patterson didn't run it a lot. I think he got put in a lot to, to block, right? Yeah, he blocks out of the backfield because he's their biggest body. And he runs routes. Like, you can, you can run two back set with Bijan Robinson and Cordell Patterson, and teams don't know what to do. It's kind of like San Francisco loves to do this, where when people match up man against them, they go, all right, well, we'll motion Christian McCaffrey out to the X spot, and we'll motion Debo into the backfield. Let's see what the fuck your man coverage does now. Yeah. Arthur Smith think... likes to do that, but without a mustache. <laughs> a mustache. I still think they need to get more targets to Bijan. He only had two. Yeah. I think they should also get more targets to Drake London. True. I don't know. I don't have the number in front of me. If I was a gambling man, I would guess four targets. I think he had five caught four. Look at that. Look at me. Off the top of my head. All right. Well, don't want to get bogged down in the details here, despite the fact that we, during the segment, talked about the Cardinals and Cowboys, even though neither of those teams are the Falcons and only one of them played them. Let's, uh, let's hit our, our two main segments for the Falcon segment this week. First off, I'm going to guess the top five in PFF grades. Are you ready? Yeah, I will say that I was, I was doing my notes and get, listing these five, and I got to, like, number seven before I realized, whoa, I'm, I'm, I was done a while ago. So, good. All right, I have Nate Landman. No, surprisingly not on this list. It's rare for him. Fucking liar. He had an interception. AJ Terrell. Yes, number one, 78.7. I feel like I always get number one. You do. Hayden Ellis. No, he was the name, I think, number, he was like number six, the name I wrote down before I realized he was outside of it. <laughs> Jeff Okuda. No, I feel like you always go defensive heavy on these. Offense isn't very, very good. True, but you got to get yourself in the mind of PFF graders. And my final, my final one here, Mike. You can only give me one point for this. I, I accept that. But the offensive line. Yes, they're on here a few times. <laughs> I'm punting on it. I'm no longer trying to guess individual yeah. offensive linemen. It's impossible to tell. Yeah, so you, you ready? So you got number one, AJ Terrell. Number two was, who's on this list, I think, every week. Right guard, Chris Lindstrom, 75.1. Third was right tackle, Caleb McGarry at 72.6. I'm going to jump down to fifth, who was left guard, Matthew Bergeron, at 67.4. I'm going to give you one more crack. Not a lineman on the offense. It won't count for a point, but who do you think number four is? Okay, I need you to tell me this. Mm -hmm. Did Scotty Miller play enough snaps to qualify? He did not. If he did, he would have been number five on the list. He's a 68.7, but he only played 21.1%. Ridiculous. Why does PFF love Scotty Miller? Is he paying them off? You get a couple targets and you're efficient on them, then you're going to get a high grade. I, I just, at this point, I just got to guess like good players who played in the game. Drake London. Nailed it. 
Still one spot left? No, that's it. I told you okay. Matthew Bergeron was five. Yeah, okay. once again, I think it's the same thing last week. Three of their linemen. Yeah, they got a good offensive the line. They, they got do. a good offensive line, but I'm punting on it. I'm no longer guessing individual offensive linemen. I'm just going to write down the offensive line. You get half a point for that. That's fine. I'll take that. I get half a point for that. No points for Drake London. No, sorry. Oh, that's the bricks. All right, the other segment we do here is our three stars of the week for the Falcons. Similar to hockey, who hands out three stars every game. I can never remember if the first star or the third star is the best star. So I always mm-hmm. give the third star to the least best star and the first star to the most best star. That's how hockey does it. You're right. There you go. All right, third star, giving it out to Jake Matthews, their left tackle, <clears throat> which, by the way, is Clay Matthews' brother. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. He now has the longest Ironman streak in Falcons history at 154 games. Kudos to Jake Matthews for getting out there and playing. Mm-hmm. Second star, once again, mainstay of this list, easily the most stars, Young Wen Koo. 15 straight makes that would tie the game or take the lead. Let's go. Koo. That's, that's not booze you're hearing, folks. I'm saying Young Koo. Anyways. <laughs> First star, not even in the top five PFF grades, but I'm giving that to Caden Ellis. One sack, eight tackles all over the field today. Caden Ellis, you get the first star of the week. Yeah, he did, he did play very well. He was just outside, unfortunately. All these damn linemen in his way. <laughs> if you go with my grading system, he definitely would have made it. Yeah. All right, Mike, any final thoughts on the Falcons? Next week, we get a divisional matchup. Everyone's champing at the bit for it. NFC South. Mega matchup. Between the Saints and the Falcons. I got to say, if they weren't Team Town alone, I don't think I'd pay much attention to Falcons games this year, as mean as that is. I would check Bijan's box score every week and then move along. We get Saints-Falcons, then Falcons-Jets, Buccaneers-Falcons, Falcons-Panthers, Colts-Falcons, Falcons-Bears, and then Saints-Falcons again. It's going to be rough as far of a viewing standpoint, but dear God, you think they should be able to get some wins out of that. Also worth noting, just, just now realized it. They actually don't get saints Falcons next week. They're on by. So oh. no Falcons game next week, which I get a break. So that means that we can spend the entire time next week talking about Cowboys kickers. So I feel like we should do like pick three players and do some kind of like keep trade cut scenario on the Falcons or just in general on the Falcons. Okay. Can I just pick all the offensive linemen again? For keep, trade, or cut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Our last segment we do every week, every Monday, we have our weekly awards that we hand out. These are set in stone, chiseled into the tablets of time. They do not change. We give out the identical awards every single week. But as we are the Osage-friendly podcast, we let the wheel decide who picks. So this week, Mike, kick or receive? Kick it. You go first. All right, spinning the wheel. All right, first award this week, the Fraud Watch Award, sponsored by FTX. Is that work? Frauds. There yeah. you go. Or Bernie uh, Madoff. Bernie Madoff Fraud Watch Award. <laughs> I'm giving this to the Jaguars. Jaguars, just they they can't win a game. Against good teams. And it's, it's time that we all, as a, as a group, came to accept the fact that the Jaguars are not a contender. They lost this week in spectacular fashion 
to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, in most fantasy leagues, Trevor Lawrence managed to get only two points. Mike, in our dynasty league, because of whatever fucking rules you put on there, Trevor Lawrence, starting quarterback, former number one overall pick, managed to have negative 0.9 points. I'm guessing it's because of interceptions, right? Yeah, two of them. And he had a fumble. Yeah, those turnovers will get you. Jaguars only managed to score a field goal in the second quarter. The rest of the game didn't score. He also had five sacks. Which they do say a sack is uh, worth about 20% of negative EPA compared to an interception. Yeah, it's a, it's a so, QB stat, like you say. Yeah, so he, he had two interceptions and enough sacks to equal a third interception and a fumble. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence just kind of loses the ball sometimes. Like, he'll just be holding the ball and just drop it. I don't get why that's happening. Like, he's not Kenny Pickett out there. Like, his hands are fine. I also... Is it is it time to start asking the question? After... I, I texted you about this during the last Monday night game. After the Manning cast, is Trevor Lawrence a little dumb? <laughs> I, I don't know if he's dumb. I say somehow he was born... With the physical attributes, the physical that, would, that would yeah, that would build like your prototype quarterback. It's, like I'm not throwing shade at the guy or questioning his work ethic, but there's you can make an argument that throughout his career in high school and college, he just didn't really have to try. Yeah, this might be the worst loss of his entire life up yeah. to this point. Yeah, it was also. You think, you think if he cuts the hair, we get like a rally? No, no, he would look goofier without the long hair. He would look goofier, but do you think that we get, like, an improvement in play? Like, if Trevor Lawrence comes out next week and shaves his head, do you think we see, like, a marketed uptick in his production? Maybe it inspires the team. He's like, look what I'm willing to do. Now, what are you going to do? And everyone shaves their head. He's like, no, that's not what I meant. I meant on the field. (laughs) God damn it. I don't know. After the Manning casting, I'm starting to think that Trevor Lawrence, if he shaved his head and said, what are you going to do? He expects everyone to shave their head and that to somehow improve the team's chances of winning. Also, I finally, after weeks of being like, Jags are frauds, Jags are frauds. I finally, for one week, step off my pulpit and are like, you know what? These Jags actually could possibly beat the 49ers. And what do they do? They go back to being the frauds they are. Yeah, that's on you, man. I never believed it for a second. You'll find no records of me believing in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. How many, how many more games do you need out of this before you start to think that Trevor Lawrence isn't the prince that was promised? I think like, like after this season, however it ends, we'll have our answer. Currently, uh, currently Trevor Lawrence is, oh my God, I broke the website. Currently, Trevor Lawrence is 16th in adjusted EPA per play, sitting behind such all-star quarterbacks as Baker Mayfield and Jordan Love. He was basically supposed to be what Justin Herbert is, and he hasn't played like that. And Justin Herbert was supposed to be what C.J. Stroud is, so. (laughs) All right, spin the wheel. Yeah. Spinning the wheel. All right, Mike, your first award this week is the Brandon Staley Memorial Worst Coaching Decision of the Week Award. Yeah, I I texted you about this. You already know where I'm going, but... You're trying to compete. You're trying to win a Super Bowl. And you have 
one of your probably arguably your most important weapon in CMC. And you are keeping him in there late in the game. Talking to Sean McVay, he won the award, by the way. You're keeping him in there late in the game to keep some bullshit touchdown streak award going when this man has an injury history. Can you explain? In what world is that worth the risk? And the entire defense knew who was getting the ball. Yeah. Like, I don't like, care how good Christian McCaffrey is. He's not going to beat 11 adult men. Because they knew there's only one reason he's in there at this point in the game. They're kicking our ass. He's only in there to try to get this stupid record. We're right, not going to beat him. They had Sam Darnold handing him the ball. It's not like this was their A squad out there. It was like, hey, it's a bunch of scrubs. And for some reason, Christian McCaffrey. Right. A- at least you could say the Jaguars got the moral victory from keep- keeping him out of the end zone. I don't know if you can get a moral victory from going 34 or losing 34 to three. Eh, we found one. What were we talking about? Oh, you're just talking about McVay being dumb and leaving CMC in the game with the second string players. Shanahan, not McVay. Which, by the way, the booth kept calling him Mike Shanahan. Okay. He's Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> He's a better coach than his dad was. Hey, well, his dad's got a Super Bowl ring. Two Super Bowl rings. Something Kyle yeah. will never have as long as he keeps putting Christian McCaffrey in the game. Yeah. Spin the wheel? Yeah, yeah. spin in the wheel. You think any of that Jaguar reviews is going to stay in the final cut? I honestly have no idea. I don't think so. All right, I got rookie quarterback of the week. Uh, it's a tough competition this week between Will Levis, who had a pedestrian game, Bryce Young, who didn't play today, Aiden O'Connell, who had a pedestrian game, and C.J. Stroud, who is in the conversation for the MVP. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to C.J. Stroud, who's in conversation for the MVP. I don't know if you want me to just go through and read the things I had typed up before, but 85.6 expected points added on throws of 10-plus air yards. The Bengals kept playing drop eight, and C.J. Stroud was reading it like a book and shredded them. Uh, Currently has the second-highest passer rating against the Blitz in the NFL. Ran in a touchdown through his second interception of the entire season. Played better than Joe Burrow. Guy that everyone thinks is the best quarterback in the NFL. So, pretty big day for C.J. Stroud. What's up, buddy? You don't think Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL? Not at all. But well, he keeps beating your team, so I feel like I would really want to buy into the idea that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm about to leave the chat. <laughs> Um, yeah, he went toe to toe with a, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And it's not like the running game or the defense won it. Like he went out there and made the plays to win that game. Yeah. And his number one receiver, Nico Collins was out. He was like layering throws to Noah fucking Brown, who for the second week in a row broke a hundred yards. No, like we should honestly just keep giving CJ Stroud worse and worse wide receivers to see who the worst wide receiver in the league is that he could get over 100 yards in a game. I think of a really bad receiver. That'd be funny. Like, like, like if we give him modern day Jamison Crowder. Crowder. Whoa. <laughs> I don't think we should have any more notes. On, I think we should just move on to the game of the week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last award goes to you. Game of the week, Mike. Who are you giving to the game of the week? Game of the week is easy. It's Lions Chargers. I think did you call this one your game of the week? No, I had uh I had 
Bengals Houston and you had Browns Ravens. I had we talked about this oh, game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So 10 total touchdowns scored. Ends on a walk-off field goal, 41 yards by Riley Patterson. 423, 421 yards for the Chargers, 523 for Detroit. Keenan Allen versus the Sun God. They both pop off. Let me tell you the real story of this game. Because the now the, the cameras didn't catch this. Alex Anzalone. But I had Yeah. <laughs> no. The cameras didn't catch this. But I had a source who infiltrated the sidelines. We'll just call him CS for short. And <laughs> After the Lions go up 17-3, they're sitting there on they're all on their sidelines for the kickoff. Joe uh Jared Goff locks eyes with Justin Herbert and he flips him off. Justin Herbert is incensed. He's like, Oh, you want to fucking go? And he calls Callum Moore over. He's like, Callum Moore, Moore comes over. He's like, What happened? He's like, fucking tiny hands over there flipped me off. Now Callum Moore's incensed. He's like, Oh, you want to do this? You want to do this? So Gus Johnson comes over and he's like, not Gus Johnson, Ben Johnson comes over and he's like, what's going on, Jared Goff? He's like, I flipped off Herbert. And he's like, yo, that is so fucking funny, bro. <laughs> and then at that point, it was on. And Joey Bosa chimes up and he's like, yeah, coach, I'll get you some stops. And Herbert was like, shut the fuck up, Bosa. <laughs> you and your squad are useless to me. Cullen Moore says the punt, tells the punter to take hit the showers. We don't need you anymore. After that, these teams are just trade-in haymakers. I'm going to steal your gimmick here uh, of reading off the drive results. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. End of half. Lions come out with the punt. Fucking embarrassing. And then touchdown, 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 touchdown. Field goal. Game of the year, possibly. Yeah, in real time, it was super fun. Because both quarterbacks came out today and decided to just embarrass the linebacking cores. Like, Alex Anzalone yeah. and Jack Campbell got toasted every time that Keenan Allen was on the field. And Quentin Johnson, by the way, Quentin Johnson dropped two different passes that could have gone for touchdowns. Keenan Allen's, like, defying time. He got injured in this game. He got, like, injured and, like, went in to the locker room and then came out and was like, yeah, I'm just going to go out and catch another touchdown. If you guys don't mind. Just what I do. So after the game, Goff and Herbert, they met at midfield. Goff says, Herbert, I apologize for the middle finger, but you know, you're capable of so much more. I had to fire it up to bring it out of you. Herbert nods. Goff pats him on the back and says, good luck out there, kid. I'll see you around later. That's how it ends. The battle of Herbert and Goff will go down in history. Remember a few years ago yeah. when we got that absolute slobber knocker between Kansas City and and the Rams? I don't. Yeah, it was like it was like a regular season game that was just one of like the best scoring outputs of all time. It was Matt Stafford's first year there. And it was like, oh my God, Mahomes, Stafford just going back and forth all day. I like how it's the same thing here where it's like Justin Herbert, MVP candidate, Jared Goff, guy no one believes in. Just trading haymakers. Also, yeah. big game for both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Goes to show you that both those guys can exist in the ecosystem. Yeah. Probably the best the Chargers offensive line has played all season. Despite your... I think you had a prediction that Aiden Hutchinson would have an interception in this game. I did. It didn't happen. He did not? I said. I think I said tip ball interception. I don't know. Okay, that didn't happen either. I don't know why you want to draw these <laughs> specifics. Happen. And... We got to call him out because he's the greatest tight end in football. He's taken it over. Move to the side, Kelsey. Final drive for the Lions. Fourth down. Who pulls it off? But Sam Laporta. 
He only Let's had go. two catches this game. But he got one of the most important ones, and that's all it yeah. matters. That's why they call him Clutch Laporta. Mm-hmm. Sammy LaClutcha. I couldn't think of anything. I was just going to... Legit Laporta is, is un, unknockoffable. As much as it's not yeah. a great nickname, it's still the best we can do. Absolutely. L squared. All right. All right. That was uh, week 10 of NFL action, Mike. Mike, give me instant reaction. Thumbs up, thumbs down. How was this week of football? You don't have any free space awards? I don't know. Did you have free space awards? You didn't write free space down, so I assumed you didn't have any. I just got one. All right, fine. I guess I'll just this, cut out my outro. This is the Avenger Assembles Assemble Awards award, <laughs> and it goes to Debo Samuel and Trent Williams. They didn't have monster a monster game, but it is not a coincidence that when they came back, the Jet, uh, the Niners started freaking winning again. Just having them on the field changes up how teams have to play, and it got them dubbed. Yeah, Trent Williams is unreal. They had a a play where Debo Samuel came out of the back. No, I'm sorry. Brandon Ayuk came out of the backfield on a handoff mm-hmm. and he was running up the left side and Trent Williams was just 15 yards ahead of him mowing fuckers over. He's so good. He is. He's so good. Second. Uh, uh, just while, while we're talking about it, the only note I have here that we didn't hit on because we were, we did a pretty good job. The only note I have, the Jets currently have 23 field goals and 10 touchdowns. I'm, I'm trying to do the math. 2.3 they, they, field goals per touchdown. They scored more to points on field goals than they had touchdowns. Uh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you don't, yeah, because you're not counting extra points, right? Yeah, so they score yeah. 60 yeah. points. Yeah, you got it. And the other remarkable thing, Mike, they have 23 field goals, 10 touchdowns. They have zero field goals within 20 yards. Really? All right, well, yeah. how often are they actually getting into the red zone? I guess. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I wonder if all 10 of those touchdowns have come from outside of the red zone. Probably. That's like a lucky play. Just Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall breaking away. It must be so tragic to be those guys and not have Aaron Rodgers. Dude, on Madden, my superstar got drafted by the Jets. And all I know is we're like eight weeks, nine weeks into the season, and Garrett Wilson already has almost 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, you know, if if my QB, Bart, Bart Harley Jarvis, was out there, he'd be Wilson would be having a fucking season. You got any final thoughts about Week 10 of football, Mike? <laughs> no, I don't. Just, Go Bills tonight. Let's uh let's beat the living shit out of the Broncos. Get the groove back. This is a get right game right here. Yeah, so check out Monday Night Football. Uh we'll have Team Town Alone coming out on Thursday. On Saturday coming out. When's it coming out, Mike? We're shooting for Wednesday this week. All right. On Saturday coming out for sure on Wednesday. Uh should have a special guest on the prod on the Basky podcast on Saturday. Whoa, that was weird. The basket podcast that takes place on Saturday, not the basket podcast colon article on Saturday. So we should have a special guest for that, assuming everything works out. You can check out the League Pass watchability rankings. Those will come out tomorrow. Hopefully I can get my PDF thing to work, but we'll see. I'll figure out some way to do it. And uh, Mike, we got we got wrestling content this week? Is that next week? No, it's this week. There's a pay-per-view coming up this Sunday. AW Full Gear. So keep an eye out. We'll probably drop those predictions friday later yeah, yeah friday or saturday for sure and you know what this week mike i'm gonna drop three shout outs you ready yeah big cock brock shout out to big cock brock <laughs> shout out to big dick ducal and uh as always shout out to the man myth the legend big cock fox